you know, God is good all the time. I, I just want to share a thought with you um, today, before tonight. If you turn with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 24. Luke 24. A lot of people don't understand that um, everyone's agenda is different. Um, I was explaining to them in Belgium that uh, a lot of people have agendas. Uh, And um, when you're running a church, you find out everyone's got their own agenda. Uh, it's amazing how few people have God's agenda Uh, because God said my thoughts aren't your thoughts my ways aren't your ways so he limits it and he says look there's there's a conflict of interest Uh, and you need to understand that Uh, and when you come to the modern church everyone's got their own agenda everyone's got their idea And yet, when you come and you look at Scripture, you understand that God's agenda is very different. And I just want to turn your hearts towards what God says. Hey, in the end, it doesn't matter what you think, it matters what God says. I love the way Paul, he gets in the midst of a storm and he says, well, you're going to suffer the loss of everything, but you're not going to lose your life. They lost the ship, they lost everything that was in it, but every life was saved. Uh, And so many people are more interested in things. You can't serve God and mammon. You'll love one and hate the other. I'm amazed how many people live for things. Love of money is the root of all evil. Uh, A little sitting down, a little folding the hands, and poverty comes. God intends to bless the work of our hands, and if you don't work, there's nothing to bless. And um, that's the way it is. I believe God prospers. But I also believe when you take it out of the context of truth, which is, we're here to serve a living God and to fulfill his will in the earth, not our will, not our wants, his. And when you take it out of that context and preach prosperity, you preach error. Because we're here to serve him. That's it. I was saved in order that I might become a servant of the living God. I wasn't saved in order that I could get healed, get delivered, get blessed, get prospered, get what I want. I was here that I might please him and do what he wants. My Bible says, if you want to be a disciple, first thing you do, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow who? Him. We have this treasure in earth and vessels that the excellency of the power might be of God and if you've got the treasure in an earthen vessel you realize that you're not serving the earthen vessel you're serving the God who put his power within us 
And so often you get a switch. And when you look at the words of Jesus uh, and you see what he said, he was going back to the Father in Luke 24. He was going back to the Father. He had revealed himself as risen from the dead. And these were the last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples. Now, if you think about it, he'd lived, he'd done miracles, he'd been crucified, dead and buried, third day rose from the dead, and here he's about to depart and be separated in a cloud, and these are the last words he speaks to his disciples while he's seeing them face to face. So, obviously, they were important. He didn't turn around and say, Hey, folks, I'm off. See you at Kentucky Fried Chicken. Or or McDonald's. Did he? No. He spoke words, and if a person's about to leave this earth, he's going to say things that are important, isn't he? So, you're a dumb clock if you don't pay attention to what he says aren't you let's look at it Uh, we'll take it um, he frightened the life out of them verse 37 but they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit and he said unto them why are you troubled and why do thoughts arise in your hearts Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as you see me have. Hey, Jesus rose in bodily form, and he says, look, see. Is that plain? Book says so. That's it. And it goes on. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them in his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have you here any meat? And the disciples said, No, we're vegetarians. No, they didn't. Have you any meat? Anything to eat? You know, he wanted them to know. And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. And of a honeycomb, and he took it and did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses, and in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Now, do understand, there are a lot of kind of who claim that the disciples were born again uh, when Jesus breathed on them and opened their understanding. They take it from John's gospel. It is total error. No one was ever born again until they were filled with the Holy Ghost because you're baptized by one spirit into one body and it happened on the day of Pentecost. Church didn't start till then, the church age. Had to be when they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Is that plain? And all he did was open their understanding. You see, they had to understand faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. 
and he opened their understanding so they could understand. Then he goes on and he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry you in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Now he said to them, look, it behoved Christ, in verse 46, to suffer, to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations. And you're witnesses of these things. Begins at Jerusalem. Now what's got to be preached? Repentance and remission of sins. The last words that Jesus spoke on earth before he ascended to the Father was what had to be preached. What was it? Repentance and remission. It wasn't healing. It wasn't prosperity. It wasn't gifts of the Holy Ghost. It wasn't how to build a church. It wasn't how to have a strategy for a church plan. It wasn't how to do anything to make your community right. It was remission of sins and... And it's got to be preached among all nations. I'm amazed that one thing you do, you can go all around the world and the last thing they seem to talk about is sin. Jesus Christ came to save his people from their sins. Not from the devil. Amen. Jesus said, look, I want among all nations this preached. And when you start and you talk about repentance and remission of sins, that's the sending way of sins. That means your sins are divided from you as far as east as from the west. And they'll be remembered no more. God said he would divide our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. Now that's God's job, not mine. God does it. You remember? saw that at the conference. It's amazing how people forget what God says so quickly. And here he's saying, look, repentance and remission of sin is going to be preached in all the earth. Who by? Who by? Who by? Us. You know, we have a responsibility... The Bible says if you're a new creation in Christ, your ambassadors, you've got the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. 
and has given to us what? A ministry of reconciliation. But how can you reconcile people if you don't deal with the things that are causing the split? Sin. Hey, if you don't deal with sin and the sin issue, there is no reconciliation. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood cleanses us. If you don't walk in the light, there's no cleansing. If you continue in my word, John's gospel, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. The truth will only set you free if you continue in his word. Lifestyle is so important. If you haven't really repented of your sin, if you haven't changed your lifestyle, forget it, boy. You're never going to be free. Because repentance and remission of sins is essential. And Jesus Christ wanted everyone to know it's got to be preached in all the earth. And people don't like that. They want to live according to their own light. What they consider as right is right, according to their culture, according to how society thinks. What's right is right. Or what their opinion is. God doesn't care what you think, it's what he says. That's the end of it. And Jesus, before he went home to Father, he said, come on, I want you to know there's something that's going to happen. Thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name. Among who? all nations that's the deal and he's fulfilling it in this day and age <laughs> you can you know he that sells cheapest has the most customers if you sell something cheap you sell the gospel cheap you'll get the most customers but you won't have a church full of Christians you'll have a church full of heathens taking the benefits of the gospel without paying the price. And in the end, they'll find they were deceived because it wasn't a gospel at all. There are many Jesuses and many gospels preached, Paul said, when he wrote to the Corinthians. And you better make sure you've got the right Jesus and the right gospel. Hello? I see some people... And I know as soon as I talk to them, they've got the wrong Jesus. Say, so, well, there's only one... Oh, no, there are many Jesuses. There's only one Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Only one Jesus who's the light of the world. But there are many Jesuses, Paul said. If someone comes preaching another Jesus, 
Hey, what's this? This is a Jesus that's going to bless you, prosper you. It doesn't matter about your lifestyle. I was amazed to hear some of the big mega churches. It doesn't matter how you dress. You go in there looking like a, a, a yob. Uh, and you're accepted. It's, uh, your dress isn't important. Well, dress is important. Because what you are on the inside shows on the outside. If God has cleaned up your life on the inside, it's amazing, but you'll actually want to look right on the outside. But what it does mean is you dress to glorify God, not to glorify yourself. And if you come to meet the king of kings, you show him respect. And if you can't show him respect, hey, you haven't got anything to do with him anyway. It matters. People say, well, that's just old-fashioned. Good, I'm old-fashioned. I worship the Ancient of Days. (laughs) He's a true God. You say, well, you know, in modern culture, well, I don't care much for modern culture. I can f- care for the word of God. God was so uh, determined, he, he made the Levites and the priests dress right. He said, if you're going to come before me, and he made them have a wash before they got there. He didn't want any sweaty old bodies around him. That was God. He said, clean up. And the high priest had to be very careful how he appeared before God. And I'm amazed how many people think it matters. I'll tell you why it matters. It doesn't matter for any other reason, but it matters to you. If so be, you respect the living God. Repentance and remission of sins have to be preached. In other words, God's come to deal with sin. Do you know, integrity is a part. I love what Benson Ederhose, my dear friend, used to say. He said, any gift will lift a man, but only integrity will keep him there. A gift without integrity is destructive. We need to have integrity. And I find so many people today have no integrity. If God employs you, God pays you. If God doesn't pay you, you're not employed. You're on your own. Do you know it says about um, someone who's employed, you pay them honest wages? That's what the Bible says. Christians should do a better job than anyone else, and they should always excel at what they do. We should be the head and not the tail. But we should also treat one another with righteousness and integrity. And we should deal with lack of integrity. I don't want someone in the church with no integrity. And I'll say it publicly too. I won't put up with it. That's what a church is. A church is a place where there's integrity 
And if you've got a pastor, he'll turn around, uh, and if people won't take a private rebuke, they'll get a public one. Got to be integrity. God wants integrity. The most important thing in a person's life is integrity. In the old days, a yes was yes and a no was no. And a handshake was all that was sufficient. Today, you need a contract and everything written down. When I was young, 100 years ago, I remember you go, and, and integrity was an important thing. Today, if you talk to young people, they don't know what integrity is. They think it's an aftershave. <laughs> they just don't know what it is. You've got to have integrity. You know. It's terrible. got to have integrity. But Jesus Christ's last words were, look, we've got to have repentance and remission of sins. But you see, without true repentance and remission of sins, life goes wrong. I see a lot of people who make a decision to go the right way but they forget that repentance is not feeling sorry and having a cry. Repentance is turning around and walking in the opposite direction. It's an action. It's not a negative thing. It's a positive thing. In other words, that was the way I did live. That was the way I was going, but I'm not going that way anymore. And you make it plain to everyone by walking the right way. That's why the Bible says, if you continue in my word, what do you mean? You actually walk in the Spirit. Then are you my disciples indeed, and you know the truth, and the truth sets you free. But he sure doesn't set you free if you've got another agenda. It's not my opinion. It's God's opinion. What God says is true. Is that plain? Hello? What have you got to have? Integrity. That means your yes is yes and your no is no. People can trust you. They know that you're not going to welch on a deal. You're not going to be crooked. You're not going to be double dealing. You're not going to say one thing and do another thing. One thing I can't stand is liars. When someone tells you lies, forget it. You'd never know where you are. What's true and what's false. Once someone's told you a lie, you don't know whether you can ever trust them again. I don't. A lie is a lie. Unless God intervenes, fills them with the Holy Ghost, and does a massive transformation, they're always going to be a crook. King David has the good example. I like it. When people traitored him, People used to expose his enemies to him. They'd come. He'd take all the information off them. Once he got all the information, he killed them. Because he knew that if they traded his enemy, it wouldn't be long before they'd traitor him. And he did the same thing with the people that did rebel against him and traded him. Killed them too. It actually meant that a, a traitor had a short life. You know, 
Someone with a treacherous spirit is dangerous. Huh? See, integrity is different. We're all human. If you want to find the flaws in a person, remember we have this treasure in what? That the excellency, the power, and... But we're free. Humanity is humanity. We're all human. Remember this. When you can see faults in other people, the reason is because you're human and that's your problems. You'll see your problems easier because you recognize your own problems easier than you recognize other people's. And so you'll only see a reflection of yourself. So the people you moan about most are the ones who most like you. That means, that's why you should love your neighbor as yourself. You see, there's a lot of things about you you don't like. And so every time you see them in a neighbor, you get really upset with a neighbor. And you love your neighbor as yourself. You've got to have, as a preacher, you've got to have a gift of getting under people's skin. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm not honey sweet. Have you noticed? I like getting under people's skin. I, I, you know, because that's the only way. I, I, I want to really. Uh, Spurgeon said, "If you can't make people mad or glad, you're a failure as a preacher. If people can just sit there and it goes over their head, you're utter failure." And he used to fail everyone in his. Um, college for pastors if they couldn't really get people angry I'd have passed with flying colors that's the trouble with Jesus they were more interested whether the disciples had washed their hands or whether he had done this or that or whether this according to their little prejudices than they were in the fact that a blind man received his sight that someone who was going to a funeral was raised from the dead. They weren't interested in that. They were interested in finding fault because that was their gift, fault finder. <laughs> and, and when you actually start challenging people about sin, it, 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 it's a bit awkward because it gets very close to home. But you have to get them to the place where they realize it's repentance and remission of sins. Amen? Last words of Jesus. You know, if you're sick today, your problem's sin. You see, miracle, Jesus made it plain. The miracles were only so you could know that he had power to forgive sins. When he said to the man who was lured through the roof, he said, son, your sins be forgiven you. And then he said to the people that sat by when they reasoned in their heart, he said that you might know that the son of man hath power to forgive sins. He said to the cripple, get up, take up your bed, go home. The confirmation of forgiveness of sins is the miracles. The reason lots of churches don't have miracles is they don't preach repentance. You're born again, you get God's nature implanted in you. You become a partaker of the divine nature. Sin's broken, a power of sin's gone. You're alive in God. I don't preach that.
That's good news. Bad news is to tell people you can have a struggle to the end of your days and it's going to be a miserable existence. Live in Romans 7, that which I would not, that I do. If you're there, you're not yet born again. Get born again. Get into the life of God. Come out of sin. Repent. God divides your sin as far as the east is from the west and he will remember it no more. Now he divides it. Not you, he. And when he does that, you're delivered. And then you have a word stamped on your chest. It's called integrity. And if that doesn't happen, forget it. Nothing really happened to you. It was sham. It was emulsion. It was response. But it wasn't repentance. Is that plain? Is that plain? In other words, you stop and you go the other way. Okay? But what were the worst last words Jesus said on earth? Preach, repentance, and remission of sin. Boy. And why is it it's unpopular as a message? Just look at this. He said, you are witnesses of what? These things. <laughs> Says, have you found it? Says, you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, tarry you in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. Um, and they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And where were they? Continually praising and blessing God. Amen? Amen. They knew Jesus was risen and they were continually in the temple. Praising and worshipping God. And it's interesting, the word house in, in Acts of the Apostle is actually in the Greek, um, from the Greek word translated temple. They were in an upper room in the temple. So they were continually in the temple praising God. They weren't sitting there all fearful of the Jews. They were men of faith. They'd seen the risen Christ. They'd been with him. He'd, he'd revealed himself to up to 500. They never were afraid. Get that into your head. Don't believe lies. Believe what the book says. Okay? A lot of people say to me, oh no, you know, until they were in Jubilee, they were all afraid. No, they weren't. They were happy. Was that plain? Hello? A lot of people teach a lie. Makes me so angry. You hear them say, you know, oh, until they were in Jubilee, they were afraid. They weren't afraid. They knew the risen Christ. They'd seen him. They'd been with him. They'd had supper with him. They knew him. 
And it was wonderful. And it opened their minds to understand. They had good understanding of everything. They just waited till the day of Pentecost was fully come. And when it was fully come, they went out as witnesses to repentance. And you read Peter. First thing he did, repent. Remission of sins. That's what he preached. He didn't preach... You've got to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. God wants to prosper you. He preached what the gospel's about. That's where we need to be. The other things, the miracles happen because you preach the truth. Okay? Is that plain? Don't ever preach a lie. Preach what the book says. You know, you'll never go wrong if you read the book. He's a good God. <laughs> 